What's going on, everybody? Today is November 21st. It's Tuesday, and you're listening and watching the Daily AI Show live. Welcome to everybody. Right now, we got Beth, Andy, and I'm Brian. I think we got Carl coming in the door here in just a second. And today, we're here talking about, oh, it looks like Robert's here as well. Fantastic. Welcome, Robert. Right on time. Um, and uh, so today, what we're talking about is actually, um, funny enough, it was, ironically, it was Aaron's idea for this one. He couldn't make today's show, but that's okay. Um, today is about a uh, tweet they shared internally with the group from a guy named Greg Eisenberg. And actually, the tweet goes back to March. So it wasn't like it came out last week. It has nothing to do with all the you know, the crazy AI stuff that's been going on. We'll talk about that stuff tomorrow. But I really thought it was a great um a great tweet. I'll pull it up here on the screen in a second for any of our folks watching um, the video version of this show. Um, but don't worry, even if you're on the podcast, even if you're just listening to us in your car and your daily drive, um, then we'll we'll make sure we call out the different individuals. And, and by the way, there's like, like 15 of them on here. So we probably won't be able to get to them all in a day. Um, real quick, before we jump in, I wanted to just say that uh, thank you to everybody who's been uh, listening and watching. Um, it just seems like, I mean, quite literally like two days ago, I got the thing from Spotify and it said, Hey, you, you know, we knew this day would come. You have 500, you know, listens. And I thought, Oh, that's amazing. You know? And then I looked at it today and it was 650. So <laughs> it's, it's picking up pace and moving quickly. In fact, one of our shows last week is now our all time, uh, highest rated. It was actually talking about custom GPTs. Um, and it was yeah. uh, listened to and watched the most out of all of them. So thank you to everybody out there that's that's listening and watching this. Even if you're not seeing us live, um, we know you're out there. We can see the analytics. And I just want to say we appreciate you and we have no intent on stopping. This is episode number 72, believe it or not. And we're going to keep rocking and rolling. Our intent is to hit episode 100 uh, just before Christmas. So that'll be a lot of fun. Okay, let's dive in today. Why don't I uh, start by sharing, uh, I have it pulled up here, so hopefully this is going to work. Please work. Um, and I bet you it's not because it pulled up a new Slack image. All right, if I do the, am I going to get the window of death if I do this? One second, guys. I've got it open too if you want. Okay, let me try this. Let's see if it does the window of death. No, it didn't. Fantastic. All right. Um, I thought we were going to get the infinite scroll. Um, so let me pull this up really quick. And I will just do a very quick, because it's even a little hard to read on the screen here. Um, so I will just do a very quick overview. So it says, Greg said, the future of building startups, um, minimally viable product uh, speed or MVP speed, uh, one time per month. We'll get into AI accelerated, super niche, uh, communities first, software second, no code um, first, some code second. 10 times more automated global teams, 95% uh, dominated by solopreneurs and micropreneurs, um, meaning teams less than 12 is what he's saying. Uh, Pop-up digital experiences, need uh, need in the marketing holy trinity to hit the escape velocity, one, product market fit, two, content market fit, three, community, community market fit. Um, then he has team is half robots, half humans. We'll talk about that for sure. Accelerated, uh, by boring marketing. Uh, that'll be fun to dive into multiple, uh, revenue streams. There's a few more here, guys. Sorry. Design matters. The bar is high partnered with creators. Feels like a game purpose-driven moonshots, uh, societal impact matters, productized agencies to generate cash flow. Uh, product studios become the norm. And finally, 99% of MVPs won't need VCs. Okay. So Can you post that because uh, that link into the chat for everybody. 
because I, I uh, yeah, let me is the, find it or maybe Beth, if you have it. it up really quick. Thanks. Thank you so much. Oh, you know what? I stopped sharing screen and didn't bring us back. Hey, uh, so we got uh, Rob, uh, Carl's here as well. Robert's here. If you didn't hear me say that. Okay. So I obviously just went through a whole bunch of it. Um, I want to actually dive into, you know, some of the pieces and parts, but maybe before we do that, I would love to talk. I mean, I can talk about when I had two different startups um, and how I think that would be different today. So I thought that'd be a good idea. Andy, I know you've been obviously part of uh, several businesses or one large company as well. Um, be curious to hear what any of you guys think if you want to just sort of open the conversation about, you know, if you're starting a startup today, if, day, if today is day one, you have a good idea and you're like, I'm going to assemble the team. I'm doing this. It's happening. I'm going to have this product or service or something. How are you going to do that now that we have these new AI tools? Or or is nothing going to change? Is it the same as last year? Ooh, Andy, you're muted. You're on mute, Andy. Uh, I've done several startups and uh, in the Web 2.0 era. So I'll, I'll contrast what I think would be the right way to approach a startup today as distinct from how it was back then. Back then, it's it's principally... You know, to create a startup, you've got to do three things. You've got to get a good product idea, mm -hmm. one that actually, you know, has a unique value prop proposition in the marketplace. You've got to get the people behind you who are willing to jump in on that with you. And you've got to pull down investor money because in order to get the office and to get everybody together and to start working, you've got to have... A substantial amount of money. Back then, you know, uh, <clears throat> I was part of a startup uh, that got a check for $10 million before they had a bank account. And they mm -hmm. went and spent that $10 million. This is in, this is in 2000, 1999 yeah. and 2000. Okay. So <clears throat> that's the old school way. Today, you know, you don't create a team and get an office and start building and then, you know, do iterations like that. You've got to deliver a product and you've got to create, um, a, you know, a, a catchment in the market. There's got to be early adopters of your product before you even go to raise private equity money. Why? Because it's a lot easier to create that MVP. And that's one of the points that Eisenberg made. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a small team. <clears throat> Maybe you get a, a and if you don't have the resources, as, as I, it was the case with me, I don't I'm not an engineer. So I would always have to have a CTO quality partner join me. I had to convince them first. Uh, that's partly true today, depending on just how complex your product is in terms of you know delivery to the market. It'd be helpful to have an engineering person involved, but it could be as few as just the two of you. Uh, and you develop that initial prototype and you put it out in the market <clears throat> using automated marketing tools and see if you actually get some traction. If you've got the traction, then you can go and persuade investors to put additional money behind you and, you know, broaden the team. And so do you think now with the because um, you mentioned bringing a CTO, which absolutely. And look, there's going to be a lot of instances where that's absolutely necessary for the style or type of startup that it is now with some of the tools, the um, Beth and I were just talking about it before beforehand about being able to sort of hack your way through um, coding or low code in order to stand up. Maybe it's not a website. Maybe it's a the first iteration or version of an app or something like that. Now, is it okay to maybe surround yourself with people who aren't experts in their field, but have a very good understanding of how to use these low code, no, no code tools 
does that get you almost as far from an for an MVP as opposed to maybe having to, you know, get somebody with a higher uh, pedigree on board early on? Well, I'll just answer that quickly. Yeah, the the whole idea of low code, no code <clears throat> means that you can do it without a team of software engineers. You, you'll you'll use automation to do it, but you still have to have someone who's really technical and experienced, and that's typically going to be a coder. Even if they're using low code tools, they know how to code. So I, you know, there's a lot of computer science graduates out there and all of them are interested in using the tools. They don't really want to go back to, like in the old days, you don't want to go to assembler, the, the basic language of computing. <laughs> That's not where you go. You go to use the latest generation of assistive tools in, in uh, you know, software development. And by the way, we're talking about software and digital right. uh, market kind of things rather than a, a beverage startup, right? A beverage right, right. startup, use technology. I was part of one of those as well, where there you really need to have a whole different set of skills. So right. we're really talking about what does a startup in technology look like? But, and that's where I want to jump in is, is I have uh, worked with for five, or part of the launch of five different startups, and um, but not the kind that Andy's been a part of. <laughs> Uh, and much more, much different. And uh, they're usually in the uh, consumer goods, retail, food and beverage, and all in the franchise space. And the difference is we don't get checks for $10 million. We get checks for $10. And so it's very bootstrappy. And, and so when I see this new Twitter post here, um, I see all the tasks that we had to wait. And we had to, we had to, every month we had $2,000 to spend. Where are we going to spend it? And we don't, we want to spend it 10 different ways, but we got to pick, those are the kind of questions we had to ask. But now we have super soldiers or super employees that have access to tools that allow us not to have to contract that digital marketing company or that friend of lead generation company that we were using. We can do it internally. We can generate content internally. But the problem is kind of like the conversation you two were having with the CTO. You still need to be somewhat knowledgeable. So a lot of the founders that I worked with you know, they were subject matter experts of beer or of of pies or of you know, chicken wings or of, you know, home services brands. They were good at those kind of things, but they don't they weren't really knowledgeable about tech. And I wouldn't call this technology, but it is obviously it's it's somewhat technical to understand AI. Right. So all I'm trying to say is this is definitely going to leapfrog those companies that are willing to dive in and willing to self-teach and, and willing to learn the AI piece because you're going to be able to get further and faster. But here's my big pushback. I haven't done a pushback in a while, but um, I'm doing a pushback of myself. <laughs> the, the problem <laughs> is, is that um, the bar is raising for everybody. So all the stuff that you're able to do. So a lot of the stuff, yeah, thanks, of, of, um, of getting uh, you know, easy marketing done or content create, all the little tasks that are, are going to be having to be done, right? Uh, you, Yes, you're going to have tools and, and AI tools to help with that. But the problem is the expectations are higher because everybody has access to the same tools, even the people with a thousand people in their company. And so now you're like the competition is even more fierce. Yes, you, if you get to it sooner, you're going to be faster market and beat them to market with these uh, with this stuff. But if you're slow, then you're just going to be fighting the other ones who are learning about it just alongside with you. So that's my only pushback is that you'll have access to it, but so will everybody else. And you're not going to be able to compete as well as you might think, unless you're fast. Yeah. Barriers to entry are dropping 
and there are going to be a lot more startups powered by AI. It doesn't mean they're going to be well done. <laughs> they may they have really bad, uh, you know, concept. They may have bad execution, uh, but it, they'll be able to get something in front of the market quicker and, uh, mm -hmm. and in a more complete fashion than they could in the, in the old days in the same amount of time. True, true. So I think, think um, um when, so I was looking back to the to my startup 2011 to 2016 everything that we did I think half of it we could probably do with AI like to, mm -hmm. to get to ramp everything up everything from uh, the actual tool itself because I'm thinking about if you combine bubble with a large language model we will still need a code like we'll need a software engineer but not as many and the way that we would deliver it it'd be definitely different just nowadays versus back then and then the number of things all the mistakes we made at the beginning i think we could avoid about half of it at the that's a conservative estimate and if you if you account for everything that I know of today, though, so I'm not sure if all the founders, future founders, are actually going to take all that knowledge that we would have in AI and apply it, because I don't know how many of those founders would have that ground level AI knowledge to actually implement that across every single level of their business. So mm -hmm. that's another thing I think to think about too is yes, you can, but do you know that it's possible and do you know how to do that? I think I, so I think by, I'm, I'm on board with you. And in fact, I have a similar timeline than you did, Carl. Um, but the first business I started was brick and mortar um, and it was a CrossFit gym. So mm -hmm. the, the quick background of that was I was actually in Iraq doing contract firefighting decided that I wasn't going to come back home and re-enter into the whole firefighter portal. It was, it was complicated in Florida and things like that, even though I had my certs and uh, kind of, kind of fell in love with not even just CrossFit, but teaching CrossFit. Um, it's, a, it's a side, it's a side <laughs> firefighter story. But just for anybody listening, they just said, here comes a firefighter story, but it's a side firefighter story. Cause it's really about, it's, it's really a CrossFit story and a gym story. So uh, I started planning that business in Iraq with limited internet and things like that. Um, came home and really kind of put it together and really just sort of scratched and cobbled together this 800 square foot gym. I, I didn't know anything about running a business or anything like that. Now, or I ran that that gym for five years and sold it for profit after that. So it was a success in that way. Uh, grew it from 800 square feet to 5,000 square feet. What I will say over that was that was a brick and mortar, right? So I was doing everything from running the classes and immediately when i stopped running the classes i would go to the computer and run the business of it and was struggling and falling over myself and how do you market all these things and i was wearing all the hats i think this is a very common thing for small i'm talking about small startups like you know just i have this idea i'm gonna go open a coffee shop type type startup and so i had my overhead and things like that that i had to deal with and while we were good there what that business really was, a CrossFit business really was a customer service business. It was, how are you going to do things that are unique and different, especially in 2011 when I opened it, like January 8th of 2011 was our first day. CrossFit wasn't a worldwide, not everybody knew what it was, even if you weren't into it. Not, I mean, a lot of people just didn't know what it was. 
And so I now look and say, okay, if it was 2024, if I was going to open that crossword on January 11th, January 8th of 2024, how would things be different? Without a doubt, my speed from concept to deployment would be rocket ship. Because I remember how much I struggled to just figure out how to run, run a damn Facebook ad. Now I can get help with that. I remember how much I toiled over putting out images. Now I could have 30 images and run A-B split testing on them in Facebook ads in no time alone. That's if I was going to do it on Facebook. Times have changed. But that was where you focused then. Um, everything from demographics that I probably wouldn't have had as easy access to. But then even little things like my clients saying, Oh, that's a funny thing that just happened. We were so community-based. Oh, that's thing. That would be really great on a t-shirt. Okay, 2011, that's a great idea for a t-shirt. Let me go into Adobe Photoshop and try to make up an idea for this t-shirt. Let me go to the local place and see how many get it printed. Okay, can I get everybody's money first? Because I don't trust y'all that you're going to buy these t-shirts. And I don't want to be stuck with $200 worth of t-shirts. So we would pre-print taking the money. All right, get the, the list or whatever. Now, <clears throat> from the day that was funny to the time that they were being drop shipped and people could order them on a website would be hours, hours. And I think that's AI and automation. And wow. it's not all that's AI, but definitely the connections and automation would be at hours. And that to me is amazing. And so if I was this brand new, if I was going to open a CrossFit gym or open something, a gym, a, a coffee shop or whatever, and I had some, I either knew how to do this or I knew somebody who was at least knowledgeable enough on how to use a tool just like ChatGPT to use the little pits and barses to get moving faster, I would I would absolutely bring that person in. And I'm not advocating for you know hiring consultants and stuff, but it's so important to know how to use tools like this that it's it absolutely can be a huge differentiator for a small startup. Now, not to get into it because I've been talking a while, but the second one was an online startup completely different. That was an online nutrition company. It was still geared towards CrossFitters, but it wasn't brick and mortar at all. And that was like going back through college. I had to learn everything again. I thought, oh, this will be easy. It's my second business. No, it's twice as hard. And so I had to go back through like the learning process. And again, I think tools like ChatGPT would have made that so much easier to figure out things like profit and loss statements and all these things that yeah. I just didn't have knowledge in. That all of a sudden, boom, I'm, my wife and I are running this business and I have to understand how to correctly put in my quarterly taxes so I don't get slammed in, in January. And we, we just want to start a nutrition company. So I don't think all those pieces and parts that I could have learned so much more about too. So that's just my story. That's obviously a smaller startup. I'm not talking about getting venture capital, you know, and funding. That's just one person or two people or a couple or three friends having an idea for a craft brew place and figuring out how you're going to get from today to opening day and then be successful six months later. So I think part of what you're talking about and what everybody's talking about is having an idea and being able to bring that somewhere. Um, and the, what AI does and what, like ubiquitous information does is make that idea to something idea to MVP idea to deck with some imaginative video kind of stuff like that. It makes that process faster. Um, and to Robert's point, we are likely in an environment where no matter what you do, there's very little moat, right? If you have an idea, um, uh, and moat means like you don't have a river with alligators around your castle, right? Like, because <laughs> um, uh, it's it takes two minutes to build a castle, right? Like it's cool, no problem. <laughs> other people can do it too. 
Um, mm -hmm. So I think the differentiator is the human experience. So when we talk about humans in the loop, uh, hey, um, that's what my hat says. Um, when we talk about human in the loop, we're all we're often talking about places in the AI and the automation so that someone's checking it out. The other place where you really need to focus on human in the loop is you are a human and so is your customer, mm. right? And that then becomes the differentiation. The moat that I have mm. is the experience people have with me. And my startup is, um, is an extension of that. It's an extension of my perspective. It's an extension of the rapport and um, engagement I want people to feel when they're engaging in this context. It's an extension of my particular brand of expertise, right? Uh, and that's true of everyone on the screen. I'm just speaking personally. So would you say that's like, you're, so you're saying almost like community fit is a big part of that too. Like when um, Greg talked about the, like the sort of the marketing holy trinity of product market fit, content market fit, but then you seem to be talking a little bit about that community market fit, yes. which is, you know, it's not, it's not enough to just have a great product. You have to build that rabid fan base. Or I used to always talk about, I don't need a thousand people who love me. Uh, or I don't need a thousand clients or or people who follow my page. I need a hundred rabid fans and I can build off of a hundred rabid fans because if I can build community off of that, I can grow from there. It doesn't matter if I have 30,000 people who look at my Instagram page. I just need a hundred who really, really love what I'm doing and, and, and support right. it all in, you know, in the beer industry that's called norms. I'm not sure norms. if you know what norms are from cheers. You know, you just need 10 norms. Oh, norm. the guy that, yeah, 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 the guy that sits in the bar and every single day. You just need ten of those guys. He's a raving yeah. fan, you know. And I think what I'm saying is Ooh. that you may be engaging with norms before you realize that you are that like it's it's not mm -hmm. like I have a really great idea. I need to build a raging uh raging fan base. That's not what you said, because that would imply something else. But no, uh raging, raging fan, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> not in a bad um, way, in a good way. <laughs> Like Swifties, you need a lot of Swifties there you go. <laughs> in, your, in your world. Well, Swifties is a great example. I might yeah. be a Swiftie, right? Yeah. And I might be in an ecosystem where I have direct knowledge of the, the experience that I'm having and the people that I'm having the experience with. So that is built in and now I have an idea, right? Um, and because of the ways that uh, AI makes that faster and community can get built uh, and expanded much uh, much faster. I think that's part of the differentiator here. I I, I gotta say the um, the way that you build it, what you're building. It's it's not just the product. It's not just the the execution, but even how you set it up. Because right now my wife has her own business, and <clears throat> she wasn't she used. Um, uh like claude and chat gpt just mostly for content creation things like that but the moment i showed her how to use like she was able to use a gpt and then she fit some of her things into it she's like this is actually helpful to me as my personal like she actually uses it as her personal co-pilot like mm. as to be able to yeah. bounce the ideas off it's like, hey, I'm doing this with this client. I'm doing this, and it's fed with some of the knowledge of her business. It, <clears throat> even just that alone, 
where you would probably, I don't know, you would need business mentors, you would need different people. This is actually trained on your business plus the corpus of knowledge that it already has. That has improved. And there's certain, every single business owner, every single founder or team or, or leading team has the different nuances that, and it isn't just the nuances of the business, it's the nuances of the personality which impact the business, like introvert, extrovert. Um, I can do this, I don't like to do this. Even though I do this, I hate doing this. So if you take that all into account, it tailors that approach to you because it's one of the things I found it was hard was when our team talked to some other people that are like, oh, you, you just need to go to business. You need to network. You need to do this. But like one of our people was very close to agoraphobic. They just didn't want to go out. Hmm. Gee, brilliant, but just didn't like, so how do you, you have to take that into consideration because sometimes you have to talk to, <laughs> you want to talk to investors, investors in 2012, like you had to meet them face to face. You couldn't just zoom it. So what we, how would you take that into consideration? And I think that the AI can help you with that and how different strategies that you may run into roadblocks with. Good points. So, I have and, to be a, and be a therapist for you if you have. Exactly too. Yes, exactly. Problems. Yeah. I think there's, you know, I was I was watching people and I was doing some research on um, ChatGPT and some features and things like that. And so I went to uh, good old Google because I thought, well, you know, what are what you know, it's it's what are the people doing, right? You know, just always looking for different ideas, different thoughts, different angles of how they're using these tools. Um, and I was uh, watching somebody and she was just building basic automations essentially, and they were basic. There were like four or five steps, but they really were taking pain points off her, her plate. And mm -hmm. so it was stuff like, uh, an RSS feed to, um, gather articles on a topic. So she went to, so basically this is what she did. She went to Google alerts. She created a topic, turned it into an RSS feed, which is an option there. You can either get it emailed to you every day, or you can just create an RSS feed. Then she took that RSS feed, went into make, um, made that the first step. The second step was like an aggregator of pulling in the stories. The third step was a custom GPT that said, summarize these. The fourth step in her case was go ahead and write a LinkedIn post about this article. And the fifth step was actually just to literally post it to LinkedIn. Now, I personally wouldn't give it that much control. I'd be too concerned about what it was pushing out the other side without me touching it. However, she made the point too that you could easily put a couple of human stops, a human in the loops in there um, to, to slow down the process and make it so that um, you had a little bit more control over and you were, you were under control. But just think about that. Like if you're trying to build up community engagement on TikTok, on Facebook, on, on Twitter, on wherever you are, and you're just like, I, all my time is running the business. I can't be a multimedia company too. You don't have to anymore. You can, with all the tools and some simple automations, it may not be the best content, but you will definitely get your voice out there and you will definitely be able to start getting people to see. And my thing on that is you can wait to make it great or you can run with good. You know, and it's the MVP side of things. And I believe that with with content, get out there and get the content out there all, you know, right away. Work every day in a Mr. Beast like fashion to make that, that's, that's what we're doing. That's exactly better. what the Daily AI show is. 
Because obviously <laughs> we're not we're not perfect yet, right? We're 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 looking for a hundred. No, wait, sorry, five hundred shows. Whatever the goal is. Then <laughs> it was a hundred. Yeah, to yeah, start, to start, to <laughs> start. Yeah. No, you do. You're right. You're absolutely right. That's a great point, Robert. It's literally when we started to do this show, we talked about it a lot. There was like a month before things really started getting going. Then it was like, okay, let's get serious about that. We did five shows of pre-shows. The first show, we we someday will release this. The first show was like literally us going around the room. It took an hour. And it was like a whole thing. And then like literally that day we're like, let's not do that again. That's not <laughs> show. That's, that was horrible. And it was like sort of rough on Tuesday and rough on Wednesday. And all of a sudden by Friday, we had this like actually decent show. We launched the next Monday, which was August 7th. So like our whole point to that was, yeah, it's not going to be great. And we're still figuring out how to get automations into our own process and make it. But if this was a business, if the Daily Eye show is a business and we were looking to make, you know, get revenue out of it um then yeah this is exactly it it's like get out there start moving build a fan base get people in there we laugh some days when we see like the viewerships on one particular episode or another but then like i said at the beginning of this show boom i was going to talk about us hitting 500 and by the time i looked at it, it was 650 listens on spotify and i was like oh that was fast i just got the message yesterday so like we can see it growing and now we have all this 72 show lead time building this business if you mm -hmm. will and i definitely think ai has such a, obviously we're about ai in a meta way though but the using the ai tools has helped us all be better we're all able to be more prepared when we come on the conversations because we all use ChatGPTs or clods or whatever to help us research and become more you know prepared for the topics um and it makes the whole system run more efficiently um we have just a couple of minutes here, like a minute or two left. So I, I guess let me throw it around the room. We can kind of do it like as a, a you know takeaway thoughts here. But you know, if you're listening, if somebody's listening to this right now and they have this great idea, maybe maybe it's a side hustle. Maybe it's not the next ten billion dollar company, right? Maybe it's just something to put a thousand bucks in their pocket a month. I mean, Jesus, wouldn't that be great if you had an extra thousand in your pocket? Like, let's look at it at that level. What is your your advice for somebody who's like, I have an idea. I'd like to see where it goes. I understand tools like ChatGPT and, and some AI tools, and I understand basic automations in Make. Maybe I can't code. What's your advice to them day one? Like, you know, I'll, I'll give you my quick one because I have a, I had an idea for a product years ago, but I just didn't know how to bring it to market. I, I'm a photographer and my side hustle, and I wanted to create something called Lens Puppets. I went as far as creating the actual domain. And the purpose of it was uh, taking pictures of little kids that would never look at the camera. So I wanted to put a puppet around the lens. It would be fun for them to look at. Well, yeah. Great idea, right? Yeah. That's about as far as I went. I, went I, I got my mom to possibly you know, sew some, some little thing. And I was like, eh. But if I had GBT, I would be able to help ideate. What do I need to do to bring this product to market? And, and like, what kind of supply? All the just, I had no idea who to ask, where to ask, even though I had internet, mm. Google. It just, uh, it was just like a, it was, it was a weight. And so I, I tell people, if you got an idea, now you have so much easier for you to help get that to go in the baby steps it takes. So I would encourage yeah. people just, yeah, use it. So I would say um, you want to create an MVP, right? And it, that means minimal viable product. So you want to know what kind of value you want people to get out of it and what's the smallest iteration of that that you want uh and um and i have a product that i want 
to be able to communicate voice with. But that, I have finally realized, is not part of the MVP. <laughs> the MVP is actually just <clears throat> needing to make sure that the back and forth is actually working. Um, and those are really easy now. I'm going to easy in quotes based on um, your comfort with AI. But so is like put your idea if there's some code that you need done um, on Upwork or Fiverr or something, right? Like, so sure. once you have the idea, you have the minimum thing that you want to create uh, and you have some language around it, then uh, make it walk either personally or um, reach out. I love it. I think the only thing I would I, I would say is use it to think about like create your whatever your business plan, your go forward strategy, and just lean on it like a co-pilot. Mm -hmm. It's there to be your <clears throat> I guess like your super powered assistant or intern that you never had. So use it as much as you can, use it for all the advice, <clears throat> all the tiny content stuff that you'll need to create that's it makes it easier for you to do it and it should alleviate a lot especially if you just use it for admin work it should alleviate a lot of that stuff for you and and really get you into that mode where hey i need to think about all these different elements to start my start my or our business <clears throat> and you don't want to get bogged down in all the all the tiny content stuff that you that's that's one place to start but again, like, you know, it's an awesome co-pilot for any business owner, really. I'll, I'll say that <clears throat> as the startup founder, as the person who had the inception idea, you have to wear all the hats at once as you build out the, the business plan, Carl, or, or, you know, just even your roadmap for how you're going to execute to get to the point where you have a business plan that could be presented. Uh, but I want you to start with one important point, which is what is the problem that you're solving and use GPTs to figure out what all the facets of that problem are. That'll help flesh out for you all the different ways that you might address the problem that you're solving for the user. Like who is your customer and what is their pain point that you really feel a need to solve for them. I'll also just add that uh, I find that mapping out the user experience, the user journey, as it's often called, isn't really something that a I would use AI for, but I would use some kind of diagrammatic tool. I use a product called Excaladraw to do that. And because we're using large language models now, largely as part of, uh, of our service offering, then it's really a user assistant response, user assistant response, and, and mapping out what that transaction flow is as a first step at deciding whether you've really got something that'll achieve a product market fit. Yeah, and I, I will say just I, I, briefly on that, I agree with all of y'all, and the only thing I would say is like use ChatGBT to be that voice for reason that gets outside a group think. It is so easy to get in a group of people and go, yeah, this is a great idea, right? Yeah, yeah this is a great idea. I, mm -hmm. I think this is a great idea, this is a great idea. You know, and then like you, you sort of selectively eliminate the things that 
are maybe glaringly obvious that you don't want to look at. Instead of saying what's great in custom J or in ChatGPT, what's great about this idea? You should be asking and using that tool as a co-pilot in the early days to say, what am I missing? What's wrong with this idea? What could possibly happen if I try to run with this? Ask all the negative stuff. Try to get all of it. Ask all of it. Where is this going to potentially fare? Where are the holes? Where are the pain points? Where am I run into objections and, and whatever as I'm trying to get through points one, two, and three, and four? That's where you should be using these tools. Don't use them to just further you know, convince you that you have a good idea because it could could be very painful in a long process and a slow death down the line. Try to get through and use these tools to get through all the problems that you might run into that you're not even thinking about, or let's be honest, are really uncomfortable to to talk about because they go directly and fly directly in the face of your good idea. But do you want the product to be in this the company to be successful, or do you just want to have a good idea? <laughs> and so I think that kind of goes to what you're saying as well, Andy. Hey, listen, uh, as we wrap up today, thanks everybody for showing up. Tomorrow we will do AI in the news as we always do. That's our Wednesday show. Come back for that. I'll miss out, but I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, Thursday we're doing a, a Thanksgiving fireside chat, so come hang out with us. As I was saying, while you're prepping your meals, are you hanging around with family? Uh, maybe having that first glass of wine. Hey, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, I'm not judging. It's Thanksgiving. Um, so have a glass of wine, drink a beer, come listen to us. Uh, and then Friday, we're talking about Canva and all their new AI or sort of new AI features and whether they're like Adobe killers. Or is, is Canva, you know, poising itself to be the next, you know, all-in-one multimedia tool for creating presentations to everything else? So we'll talk about that on Friday. Uh, that's it for today, guys. Have a great day. And uh, we will see you again tomorrow. Bye, everybody. Bye.